0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome. It's good to see you today in God's house as we've gathered to worship our Lord together. And we welcome everyone here today. We welcome our guests, especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you are here and hope God will bless you in a very special way today. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to take those and to fill those out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. And we would certainly appreciate that few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. Uh, First of all, we will not be having a uh, youth advisory meeting today. I know it's printed in your bulletin, but we're not going to be having that meeting today. But I think there are other meetings that are scheduled that uh, if you're a part of, then uh, please take note and and be in your meeting um, when that time comes. And especially today, a big thank you go to the ladies uh, of the church for a wonderful Father's Day breakfast. Uh, we are proud to boast that Community Baptist Church has the best cooks anywhere, and we are grateful for you. Uh, Cooperative Baptist Fellowship of Kentucky finished another extreme build yesterday, finished another house uh, in McCreary County, Kentucky, and we were not able to uh, participate this year because of a various, various reasons. Uh, but we are proud to be a uh, uh to fill that role of support uh for their work and we're proud of the work that they have done there uh this week so we're grateful for them and we are also so very thankful today uh for our fathers and our father figures uh for the role that you have played in our lives uh we are so grateful for each of you you are our friends our teachers our mentors, our supporters, sometimes our cheerleaders, and a great source of our strength. And so we are so grateful for you today. Now, at this point in the service, I had intended to show you a real sappy, emotional video that will guarantee to leave you in tears, but it didn't get there. So just go ahead and cry. (laughs) And think to yourself, thank you for our fathers and our father figures. We are so grateful for you. Let us stand and let's greet each other in the name of the Lord and let's share the love of God with one another.
1: Uh, oh, glad can post I'm you're Great. Yeah. You Jim, I love that. Nice. Uh-huh. Good morning, Welcome gentlemen. Home. Good, morning. Yeah. good morning. morning. Good morning. I don't think maybe Cody already. not really.
0: please pray with me. Oh God, your name is indeed wonderful. And there's so much strength and hope and love and encouragement that we receive from that name. Heavenly Father, we will be listening to your word today. And our hearts will be listening to your spirit Those of us who are fathers particularly will be listening because we love our sons and daughters. And like you, our heavenly parent, we want our children to be strong and wise and mature, gentle and loving. God, remind us every day what our roles as fathers mean to these children in our lives. And for those men among us who are not fathers, Give us the vision and the heart to love these children as our, as our very own. For all of us, O oh God, children, women, and men, for all of us, accept our thanks for the gift of our lives in which each of our own fathers have played a part. Some of us can easily thank you for our fathers because we remember so many wonderful experiences. But unfortunately, others of us may not be so fortunate. And so hear us, O God. Hear us as we express our thanks for giving us those loving fathers and whoever else has loved us and nurtured us and encouraged us through our lives. Father, help us not to exasperate our children, yet to discipline them wisely. We pray that we will not be too busy to see, to play with, to talk with, and to be completely present with our children for however long they may be in our care. It always seems much too short. And also, God, teach us the joy of learning from our children, for they too are made in your image. Help us to learn about faith trust, and innocence, and forgiveness, and love. Be with us today, O God, as we worship you, our Heavenly Father. Thank you, God, for adopting us as your children, and for loving us as your own. It is our joy to be a part of your family. In the strong name of our brother, your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
2: hear me? Okay. Do you want to come over? Okay. Okay, what day is it? Father's Day. So I was kind of thinking, uh, before I read this cool little thing that Rachel found, I was kind of thinking we could each kind of, to celebrate our fathers, talk a little bit about, say a couple things about we, what we love about our father and what we appreciate about, appreciate about him. Okay. Who wants to go first? Do you want me to go first? No? Okay, so we're just going to say a couple things that we have learned from our fathers and what we love about them. Do you want to go? Craig, what do you like about your dad? I know you like his truck. Yeah, yeah. You don't like it when he takes you to B-dubs because you don't like B-dubs. All right. So what do you you like about your dad? What, What does he teach you? Does he teach you how to be kind? Yeah. What about you? Appreciation, that's a huge thing in life, isn't it? It's a big old deal. What else did your dad teach you? To be kind. Yeah. What about you, Joe? He teaches you what? How to hunt. That's cool. That's awesome. So that's something that you can do the rest of your life, right? What about you? To be kind. I know my dad always taught me how to be kind and how to treat others the way you guys know the rest of this, right? How you want to be treated, right? My dad always taught me that. So I'm not home today, so I'm a little sad on Father's Day, but I'll see my family next week, which is good, huh? Anything anybody else want to share about your dad? So Rachel helped me find this thing, which I thought was really cool. But it says, Daddy, in your eyes I've seen God's love. In your words I've heard his wisdom. Through your life I've found his grace. What do you guys think of that? Pretty cool, huh? Our dads can teach us a lot, right? Okay, are we ready to pray and go do a craft for our dads? Heavenly Father, as we go through this week, help us to remember to love and honor our parents and to remember what our fathers have taught us, both our physical earth fathers and our spiritual fathers. Help us to go through the week and to just remember to keep our eyes and ears open to what our fathers have to say to us so that we can take that knowledge and use it And as we get a little older and a little wiser.
1: duty is never done.
0: (laughs) The epistle of Paul to the Colossians, chapters 3, 26 through 29.
1: For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith.
0: As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There
1: is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female for all of you are one in Christ Jesus and if you if you belong to Christ then you are Abraham's offspring heirs according to the promise. this is the word of the Lord Thank you.
0: with me. Father,
1: you are the one Father over all of us, a special Father's
0: Day indeed. Please accept our love and our offerings. Continue to guide us to be Christ-like. Use our offerings to help those in need,
1: perhaps those who have not found their way to you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Precious Lord, take my hand. Dad, will you help me with my homework? Asked one eighth grader. And Dad replied, I'm sorry, I just don't think it would be right. And the boy said, well, at least you could try. Do you get it? You know, he said, I, you know, he was saying, I don't think it would be proper to help you. you know, I mean, the kid was saying, well, at least you could try because it would be wrong. I hate it when I have to explain a joke. Slow day. huh? It's hard crowd. <laughs> but welcome on this Father's Day of 2016. You know, Mother's Day and Father's Day are problematic for pastors, especially Father's Day probably. Because, um, unfortunately, in, in my experience, I've known so many young people today who don't really have a very good relationship with their fathers. And, uh, and many others have a relationship that's downright destructive. Uh, David Simmons is a former uh, football player for the Dallas Cowboys, and David's father was extremely demanding, he rarely said a kind word to him, and he never permitted his son to feel any satisfaction about anything that he did, any good thing that he did. He never, he never celebrated that, and he always pushed him to do better and better and better. When Dave was a small boy, his father gave him a bicycle, unassembled, and demanded that he put it together himself. And when he couldn't do it, his father said, I knew you couldn't do it. And he put it together for him. When Dave played football in high school, after every game, his dad would meticulously go over every play and point out Dave's mistakes. And the stress was unbearable. By the time he entered college, Dave hated his father. When college scholarships began to came in, to come in, He chose to go to Georgia Tech, mainly because it was the farthest away from his home. And then after college, Dave was a second-round draft pick in the NFL. The first-round pick of the team that chose him was a player that you may have heard of before. It was a certain quarterback named Joe Namath. Now think about that. Dave Simmons was the second player chosen by this team after Joe Namath. Pretty incredible, huh? His father's only comment was, so how does it feel to be second? As an adult, Dave became a man of faith, and God's love caused him to reach out to his father. And, and it was then that he first learned about his grandfather, his father's father. His grandfather had been a lumberjack, who was known for his, his quick temper. But he was also known for regularly beating Dave's dad. And this information caused Dave to feel more sympathetic towards his father. And as he put it, knowing about my father's upbringing helped me to see that under the circumstances, he might have done much worse. Well, by the time his father died, Dave and his dad were friends. And I'm thankful that Dave and his father were able to reconcile. Because in so many families, that never happens. Too often, people go to their graves never able to forgive or to forget the experiences of their past. And because of that, a lot of people are still carrying around a lot of baggage from their childhood. And it it even affects their feelings about God. Because for some people, it's very difficult for them to pray our Father when their entire image of Father has been distorted. I hope that is not true of you. But here's the good news for today. It doesn't really matter what kind of relationship you have with your earthly parents. Because, folks, you have a heavenly parent who is everything that you hoped a mom or dad would be. Forgiving. Accepting. A parent who believes in you and who created you in God's image. In other words, folks, listen to this. You are the apple of God's eye. I hope that makes you feel good. You remember how Max Lucado put it? He said, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If God had a wallet, your photo would be in it. God sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. Face it, God. Face it, friends. God is crazy about you. Here's how the Apostle Paul put it. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ, and they he said, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, there's neither male or, or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, for the past few weeks, we've been dealing with the theme when, when good people have bad things happen to them or have bad times, or at least on those weeks that I've been here which has been few and far between here lately, but we've kind of been dealing with that theme for a little while. And one of the reasons that good people have bad times in their lives is because of the baggage that they continue to carry around from their past experiences and relationships. There are so many people who have, who have had their, their self-image trampled on by, at, at home or at school or on a job And for them, it's not simply a matter of uh, sporadic times of adversity. They carry these bad times around with them forever. So what do you do when your, your inner self has been damaged like that, like so many people? I heard about a woman who suffered from polio during her childhood and and thank goodness, uh, many of you have never seen it, someone who is crippled by polio. It doesn't exist in this part of the world anymore. Only, only down to two countries now that has polio. But it's a terrible thing to be confined to a wheelchair or crutches or perhaps even worse, an iron lung. But the effect on this woman's self-image was, her self-image was worse than the physical pain from the polio. She said that when she was a child and her mother would leave her in Sunday school, for example, she would always ask her mother if she could wear her locket, her mother's locket. And the mother just assumed that she had a special attachment to this locket, but that wasn't it at all. The lady says, I knew that I wasn't worth coming back for, but I knew that my mom would come back for her locket. How sad that is to feel that way about yourself. But my friends, there are so many good people who continue to to carry around all that baggage that has crushed their self-esteem. Maybe it's true of you. I hope not. But if it is, I hope that Paul's words can be a refreshing balm to those who have been damaged by their past. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. For all who have been baptized into Christ, you you have clothed yourselves with Christ. And there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor male or female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, some people have bad times because they, they carry around baggage from their Their past experiences in relationships. But then there are others who carry around baggage because they have been put down because of their gender or their ethnicity or race or sexual orientation or identification or some other personal characteristic. Some of you probably know what I'm talking about here. In the wake of what happened in Orlando last week, David Gushy, the uh, professor at McAfee School of Theology, commented that when I was going around the country last year speaking about my book, Changing Our Mind, he said, I heard a lot of sad stories. One father of a gay teenager told me that his son's friend, who was also gay, killed himself. And his Christian parents actually refused to claim his body or bury him. And so this father of a friend took care of burying this abandoned boy. Then I learned, he continues, then I learned from older gay men that such abandonment by family at death was not at all uncommon during the height of the AIDS crisis. He says such stories illuminate the depth of contempt and rejection that so many LGBT people experience. And then he said, tonight in church I found myself praying Lord, may every one of those victims in Orlando at the very least be properly grieved by their families. May not a single one be abandoned in death. My friends, let me say this. If you are carrying around any kind of bigotry or bitterness in your heart today, then please do not use the Bible as your excuse. Or at least not the New Testament. As I have seen in recent memes on Facebook, if your religion causes you to hate, then you're doing it wrong. Because God is a God who loves us all. In the book of Acts, there's an amazing story of inclusion in the kingdom of God. Philip was led by the Spirit of God to go down to Gaza, and on his way there, he encountered an Ethiopian eunuch. He was returning, the eunuch was returning home from Jerusalem, and as he sat in his chariot, he was reading aloud from the the prophet Isaiah. Now, there are a couple of things that we need to be aware of. First of all, this man was from Ethiopia. This was not a Palestinian Jew, this was a black man. And secondly, he was a eunuch. Now, the textbook definition of a eunuch is a man who has been castrated. And that in and of itself was a huge taboo in the Jewish religion. But there's a large body of scholarship that indicates that this definition of eunuch may be too narrow. And that the term eunuch could also refer to a man who was physically intact but for whatever reason is in no way attracted to a woman. I think that may be the definition of a gay man. So in other words, this Ethiopian eunuch could very well have been a gay black man. Now, not everybody would ad- agree with that interpretation, but it's a possible rendering of the Scripture. And the Spirit of God said to Philip, go to that chariot. And so Philip ran to the eunuch's chariot and heard him reading these passages from Isaiah. To make a long story short, the Ethiopian eunuch invited Philip to come into the chariot with him and to explain the Scripture to him. And so Philip began using these passages of Scripture from Isaiah to explain the good news of Jesus Christ And as they were going along the road, they came to a place where there was some water. And the eunuch said, here there is much water. What prevents me from being baptized? And they both went down into that water. And Philip baptized him. Now, what prevented this Ethiopian eunuch from being baptized? Well, in the eyes of many, the fact that he was black would have prevented him, his acceptance into the church. And in the eyes of others, the fact that he was a eunuch or perhaps gay prevents prevented his acceptance into the church. But guess what? In the eyes of God, nothing prevented him from being accepted into the kingdom of God, not the color of his skin. Not his physical condition and perhaps even his sexual orientation. And I look back on the history of the church and I wonder how in the world for so long our forefathers and foremothers could have read a story like this and excluded black people from their churches. It's incredible. And I wonder... Are we still using our religion to exclude people today? If we are, then I have a feeling that we're doing it wrong. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And there is neither Jew nor Gentile. Neither slave nor free, there's neither male or female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. The bottom line here, folks, is this God has one passion, and that's people. People. Every person on earth. Listen to this, folks. God loves you. But God loves you not because you're white. And God loves you not because you're male or female. And God loves you not because you're an American. And God loves you not because you are physically attractive. And not because you come from the right socioeconomic class. That's not what God is all about. God loves you purely and simply because you are you. And it is in God's nature to love. In fact, God loves you so much that God sent God's only son in your behalf. But listen to this. Never, ever, ever forget That God sent God's son not only for you, but for every other person on this earth. And if God can love every other person on this earth like that, then so must we. The problem that we must combat within ourselves today is this. The rhetoric of our news media emphasizes always the negative because that's what generates ratings. And the rhetoric of our political candidates and pundits emphasizes always the negative. Because the best way to generate votes is to capitalize on the fear of the people. And if you think about that, you'll realize that's true. Never mind that that fear is mostly generated by the media and the candidates themselves. But here's what happens. Because of our lack of experience with people who are different from us, we become afraid of them. You know, it's always been that way. During the civil rights movement, we were afraid that the the black man was coming to get our women. And today we are afraid that Muslims are coming to take over America and establish Sharia law. And we are afraid that gay people will have the audacity of being gay right in front of us and recruit our children to their way of life. We are afraid. And fear causes hatred. And hatred causes violence, such as what took place in Orlando last week. But let me tell you something. God has told us time after time after time again that we have no need to fear. Stop being afraid of what you don't understand. The Bible tells us, for God gave us not a spirit of fearfulness, but of strength and love and discipline. My friends, it is amazing to me that in a nation that considers itself a Christian nation, we are still fighting battles of gender equality or racial equality or any of the other battles concerning the rights of all people to live in dignity and freedom from discrimination. Can you imagine how revolutionary it was when When Paul wrote those words that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That wasn't in the 21st century that he wrote those words. That was more than 2,000 years ago. So why are we still fighting these battles for tolerance and acceptance? It's absurd. Particularly for followers of Jesus. Because our God has a passion for all people. All people. And if we truly call ourselves Christians, then we must have that same kind of love and compassion for everyone. Even those who are so different from us that we don't understand them. Tony Campolo tells about a pastor friend of his who lives in Manhattan. And every morning, this pastor would have breakfast at a little diner. And every morning, he would see the same crowd who also started their mornings out at this diner. And, and so one day, the, the pastor began to introduce himself to the regulars there. He was hoping to create a friendlier atmosphere. And it worked. Barriers were broken down, and people began to conversing with, with strangers. And it worked for everyone except for the owner of that diner who would only reveal about himself his name, Harry. Well a few weeks passed, and as all the regulars started becoming chummy and, and and being making friends with one another, the pastor encouraged Harry to reveal a little more about himself. And so finally Harry reluctantly announced that his real name was Hazim. And he was from Iraq. Now this was when Saddam Hussein was being portrayed as a real threat to the world security especially to Israel. And a majority of his patrons at this diner were Jewish. And of course the tensions between Arabs and Jews were running pretty high and they st- as they still are today. And then the next morning as this pastor was getting ready for his day he heard a report on the radio that the United States had begun, begun bombing Baghdad during the night and so the pastor dropped everything he was doing and he ran to the subway hoping to reach that diner before Harry got there he wanted to reassure Harry of his friendship and his love but as the pastor rounded the corner he saw something amazing you see almost every one of the regular crowd the morning crowd was already there lining the sidewalk, waiting for Harry to arrive. And when Harry got there, all of his customers surrounded him with words of encouragement and love. And then that pastor prayed over all of them, Jews, Christians, and this recent immigrant, a Muslim From Iraq. What a beautiful scene it was. And to me, this is a scene that is a foretaste of the kingdom of God. And I suspect that one reason some people are so filled with hatred is because they have never actually known the unconditional love of their Heavenly Father. Maybe they hate others because they feel rejected themselves. You know, there's evidence that this shooter in Orlando last week was con- conflicted about his own sexuality and, and he felt that his own religion rejected him. And so he hated the people in that nightclub because he hated himself. And he felt so rejected I hope that that is not true for any of you today but if it is then Father's Day would be a great day for a new start because my friend you 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 are a child of God If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If God had a wallet, your photo would be in it. God sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. Face it, my friends, God is crazy about you. And if you understand the truth of those words, then please also know that what God wants from you is simply this that you go out there and you spread that same kind of love to everyone you encounter regardless of who they may be and regardless of how different they may be from you because God God's passion is every one of us not y- not just you Not just the people like you. Every one of us. And every one of them. And every one of them. All around us. And on the other end of the world even. God's passion is people. And there's a lot of people in the world. And it's our responsibility to love them like God would. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, Seek Ye First, number 478. And that's what this is all, this is what I'm talking about here. I, I'm not going to start another sermon, don't worry. But that, That's what this is talking about. Seeking first the kingdom of God, not all these other things that the world tells us it's, and that's important. Because if you down if it boils down to it, most of them are not that important in the scope of the world. But here's what is important that we seek the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. And when we do that, then all of the important things in life are going to be added to us. I think that's pretty encouraging. So let's sing about it. 478. Seek ye first. strength of God, which overcomes all of our weaknesses, may the power and peace and presence of Jesus Christ uphold us all, direct us, and keep us always in the name of the one who called himself Son of Man, Son of God. Amen.